Lighthouse Chapter 2 tonight. We'll get right to it. Uh, for the second or third time, I'll be at Lighthouse Baptist Church on Wednesday night. It's the plan. Now, our Lighthouse Baptist Church in Asheville, Ohio is about a mile and a half maybe from Lake Erie, and it's on the, the Asheville Gulf, and just uh, two miles away, I mention this all the time now, it seems like every time we sing a P.P. Bliss song, but I got corrected. We went to the, the actual train wreck place where the train went down in 1876, and there was 97 people that were killed on that train. Of course, uh, P.P. Bliss and his wife were right there, but their, their, their church is a beacon, it's a lighthouse, uh, and it's called Lighthouse Baptist, uh, just off the shores of Lake Erie, of course, and... Uh, I say all that in the context of uh, we got a message tonight we're entitling The Danger of Drifting, and water can be a dangerous, dangerous thing. Caleb, whenever you find that picture, go ahead and just put it up on the screen, but let's read our scripture to, to begin with. Hebrews chapter 2, verses number, verse 1 through verse number 9. Let me read the scripture tonight, and I'll let you remain seated, but pay attention, please, as I read, and we'll get right into the message tonight. Therefore... We ought to give the more earnest heed to those things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and by the way it is, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he, put, hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the Son of Man that thou visitest him, verse 7, thou madest him, it's talking about Jesus Christ, a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he hath he put all in subjection under him, he hath left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Verse number nine, one of our two text verses. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels. Now, just so for clarification, he was made a little lower. He, was, he took upon himself the form of a servant, Philippians 2. He was made in the likeness of man and humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He went all the way to the cross, as Hebrews 12 says, despising the shame. He, he, kept on, he kept on keeping on until he went to that cross and said those words, it is finished. He gave up the ghost. We, we, we finished the verse, verse 9. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, the saying is said, no cross, no crown, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Sometimes you just got to hang on. Back to verse 1, it is our text verse. It says, therefore we ought to give more, the more earnest heed to things which we have heard, lest at any time, any given time, it can happen in a moment's notice, we should let them slip. Did we get it on the screen? There it is. That's an 1856 photo. That's a real photo, by the way. It's, it's 
photoshopped or whatever they call it. It's enhanced, I'm sure, a little bit today. 1853 cameras weren't all that good. But on July 16th, 1853, three men working on a dredging scow, or we know of as, as barge, which was anchored in the Niagara River east of Code Island, decided to go to shore during the afternoon. The only way to shore was by way of a rowboat. As the three men started rowing to shore, they soon discovered that the current of the water was much stronger than they had anticipated. Suddenly, one of their oars broke. The small oar entered, small, the small rowboat entered the American Channel Rapids and swept downstream. The rowboat capsized. Two of the men were swept to their death over the brink of the American Falls. The third man, Samuel Avery, in the picture, was able to grab onto some trees, the tree roots growing from a rock just east of Chapin Island. Uh, Avery spent the night uh, stranded in the cool, fl fast flowing water. The sound of rapids prevented many, any of Avery's screams from being heard by anyone. The next morning, Avery's plight was observed by several tourists. Efforts to rescue Avery began. Initial efforts consisted of releasing boats and rafts from the Bath Island Bridge. None of the craft were able to reach Avery. Finally, a boat which was tendered in the, to the Bath Island Bridge was guided downstream and reached Samuel Avery. With little strength left, Avery was, Avery was able to climb into the boat, but the boat immediately capsized, throwing Avery back into the turbulent waters. Throwing his hands up in surrender, Avery let out a final scream, fell backwards into the water, and was swept to his death over the American Falls. Terrible, tragic story. A lot of people have died, of course. You know the history. Many of you in Niagara, many, many foolhardy people have tried to tempt fate and go over in barrels and crafts and canoes and so forth. Most never survived. But here, they were working on a boat. They had no intention of getting into that current, into that, that river. And they, they were just going to have an innocent row. They were going to have a nice lunch, as the plan was. And they got caught up in the current. And it, it led to their death, to their demise. I want to deal with this subject tonight, just in the minutes that we have. And I know I'm talking to a very friendly crowd, and I know, don't say that with... Uh, to build you up or anything, but you're sympathetic to the things of God. You're here on a Sunday night. But the dangers of drifting, let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, sometimes it's hard to keep holding on. Sometimes, Lord, it's, we get tired. Lord Jesus, we're thankful that you didn't get tired in your 33 years of earthly pilgrimage and that you went all the way to the cross, despising the shame endured, the, endured the, the reproach of men and died on the cross for our sins. We thank you so much for that. We're on our way to salvation, on our way to heaven because the captain of our salvation completed his mission. Help us, Lord, to complete our mission, we pray. Help us to be on guard about drifting, we pray. And I ask these things in Christ's name. Speak to heart, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you the reality of drifting Verse number two, notice what it says. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, in every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. This world has a pull on us. It has a drag on it. There's a, there's a current that this world has. And there's, the realities of drifting are real. Uh, drifting happens, spiritually speaking, uh, and it happens. this happens, by the way, literally, I have four points here. 
some realities of drifting. Going to sleep can cause one to drift. Now, I'm speaking spiritually, but I'm also speaking literally. And I, got a, I got a funny illustration story. Enough years have gone by. I can use this. I've used it before. True story. Harvest Baptist Church. I was preaching one day, and I'm very good at putting people to sleep. I understand that. I've never, I've never been, felt, you know, just, that's, just, it just is. Sometimes I've got tired in church, too. So a certain, certain person, it's really kind of a sad story. At the time, it was, it was kind of funny when I found out what happened. A certain person started drifting off to sleep on my watch as I was preaching. True story. He, I promise you, whatever he thought I said, I did not say. But he got it interpreted in my head, in his head, that I said something about him very derogatory. Now, I didn't know this. He's falling asleep. It's not my fault, or maybe it's partially my fault. And when it is sleeping coma, half coma, he hears something. He didn't hear it right. Well, next thing I know, this story is, for the last time, this is a true story. This is a 30-year-old story. But it's current events, maybe premise for this message, up to two weeks ago. I'll figure, I'll try to fill in the blanks without telling you everything. This person started missing church after this event. And I didn't think anything of it. A week went by, two weeks went by. I thought, well, maybe they're sick, maybe they're out of town, whatever. And then his family started missing church. Weeks started going by. I started contacting him and, and say, hey, what's, what's up? Oh, nothing, everything. Like three months went by, two months went by. This person's all out of sorts. They're almost out of church. I finally nailed this person. I said, what in the world is going on? What happened? Well, pastor, that Sunday night service, you said, and he said something that I said while he was sleeping. I didn't say it. The whole time, it's like, what? I mean, I was like in shock. You think I said that in front of the whole congregation? Are you crazy? I would never say that. And he said, I heard you with my own ears say it. I says, and I called him my name. He says, you were sleeping now, there's the funny part of the story. For two months, he's out of church, but I, have to begin, I go from funny to real sober real fast. And I got to be careful here. And, you know, we're on tape, I guess. Uh, and uh, so I have to be careful. People actually listen. Oh, I said, by the way, I said our missionary from Madagascar listened to the message this morning. Their missionary from Mogadishu, or not Mogadishu. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm cracking myself up. Not Mogadishu, uh, uh, Mozambique. There it is. One of those M countries, you know. It was from Mozambique, not Madagascar. But anyhow, back to the story. So two weeks ago, and I had to be careful, Saturday night, someone walked in my office in a direct relation, and I wish I, I have to be evasive on purpose because maybe someday we'll be able to recover some of these people. Here's the real sad news. A handful of people now, that was 30 years ago, that handful of people are probably in the neighborhood of 25, 30, 35 people now. They had kids. Their kids have kids. To my knowledge, they're all out of the house of God. This is where I had to be careful. One of them came to my office two Sunday, Saturday nights ago, 15 nights ago, out of the cold blue. I'm studying in the back office. and Tragedy happened. Hope they don't listen to this podcast. I don't know I'm talking about them. And... I go back in my mind as they were sitting there telling, telling me their tragedy and 30 plus years of tragedy is taking place. And I go back in my mind to the day that their relative 
fell asleep in church, drifted off, got a wrong thought process in their head, got out of church, and now their family is out of church, and now their family's families are out of church, and now everybody's out of church. Uh, the dangers of drifting are far, I'm sure those three men, Robert Avery and his two buddies, maybe they took that boat ride maybe several times before, of course, thinking, oh, we can handle this. But they tempted fate. Sometimes the reality of drifting is that sometimes we, sleep can cause you to drift. Secondly, four little subpoints. Drifting usually takes place slowly. Sometimes it's so slow you don't even realize it. We got to take heed lest at any time we let them slip. Just a little bit of just a little bit of nonchalantness. You know, you know what's happening to America right now. We are in a day of prosperity. I mean, you listen to news media; everything's terrible. But the fact of the matter is, we were living in the the lowest. Uh, uh, unemployment, uh, the highest wages. I mean, things are going great in America financially. They're going great, so they're going so great that it's dangerous. Because when we are filled and happy, and we forget God, as in the days of Noah, Matthew 24, for before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and until the day that Noah entered into to the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. You know, just think of all the millions of Americans that are just drifting along in life. They're not doing anything bad. They're eating and drinking. Nothing wrong with that. They're, they're watching some good football tonight, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some good football on tonight, I guess. Somebody told me there, that there is anyhow. And they're watching. Anything wrong? We're really watching football? I don't think so. I hope not because I watch some of it myself. But hell will be populated with people who neglected Christ, neglected their soul. They just drifted through life. No wonder First, Second Corinthians 6, 2 says what it says. Behold, now is the time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I told the story, pardon me, I got my hometown in my mind big time because I'll be there in 12 hours from now again. And Ashtabula, there's a lot of railroad tracks right on, right through uh, the north part of I-90. You've been through there. And then north of I-90, between I-90 and the lake, Erie, that is. There's a lot of railroad tracks. I told the story, true story, of Fred Fowler, who's a pastor to this day in Washington State. Fred Fowler, this story is 45 years old now. He was in the Kenny Kings. That was our version of Kentucky Fried Chicken, right on Route 20 in Asheville, Ohio. And a guy came in, and Fred got gloriously saved. He was a hippie, kind of a, a tough guy, got gloriously saved. And then one of his old buddies walked in that wasn't saved, and he began to witness to him. And he said, I forget the guy's name. I'll say his name was Joe. He said, Joe, you could get in your car. If you don't get saved, Joe started mocking him. He says, you don't get saved, you could get, you could get in your car, run over those railroad tracks, the train could come and hit you, and you could be in eternity. And Joe said something like, I'll take my chances. Five minutes later, true story. I've told the story several times over the years. Five minutes later, he got in his car, rode down the road. I can still see the road in my mind. I crossed it twice, I think, last week when we were in Ohio. So we used to, back in the railroad days, the railroad track days, we didn't have those automatic uh, lights, and the, the, you just had to stop and look. And the, the police report was evidently he was doing 50, 60 miles an hour, thinking, uh, and he just you know, went over, over the train. He didn't make it. Train hit him and killed him on the spot. True story. Oh, I can wait. I don't have to receive Christ now. Drifting usually takes place slowly, but it can have immediate consequences. Thirdly, drifting is effortless and even enjoyable. Moses, think of Moses. For 40 years, he was in the palace of Egypt. Remember the story? 
He was the prince boy. Think about it. He, had all, he was a rich man. Had all the opulence he could have. There was pleasures there. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The Hebrews 11.25 says. 24, I guess it is. But the Bible says, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy. And let's be honest with you. There's sin that's for a time is pleasurable. Enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. They're not here tonight, so I'll say it. I was uh, in one of the convenience stores in Torrington. I'll leave it unnamed. I walked in, and there was one of our members buying lottery tickets. They think they're going to win the lottery. They're, they're, they're Sunday morning. They're not here tonight, so I'm tattling on them. I walked in. I said, oh, no, they're going to see me. I, no joke. I said, they didn't see me. I, I walked out. <laughs> now, I could have confronted them, but I didn't want to embarrass them. There they were, scratching lottery tickets. Sad. Sad. Drifting, he said, why do they do that? He said, what's the point, preacher? They enjoy it. It's fun for a season. They might win the thrill of victory, you know. Well, drifting, the results of drifting, some drifting happens by, you can, by going to sleep causes drifting. Drifting usually takes place slowly. Thirdly, drifting is effortless and even enjoyable at times. Sin is, there's pleasures in sin. Then letter D, or on my worksheet at least, it's easy to go with the current. It's easy to go with the flow. In fact, it's much harder to paddle upstream. I think of uh, the gay rights movement, of course, and now we got the LGBT rights, and we got a, and you say anything about that, you're a bigot. You're a homophobe. You're, uh, you're a hater. What, you have family values that are full of hate. It's called hate speech. We have, uh, you describe what, and I know we have children here, and I have to be a little careful, but, and I hate to even plant this in your mind, but when you think of what homosexuality is, the actual physical act, sorry for putting that in your head. It's disgusting, and I apologize for even putting it in your head. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. But it's okay. It's wonderful, really. Have you heard of HIV? Have you heard of, and I could go on with a list. Oh, we're not allowed to talk about that. Fifth point, letter E, in regards to the, the reasons for, or rather the, the realities of drifting. Sometimes people intentionally drift. Demas made a cognitive decision there in, in uh, Lystra. He forsook, forsook Paul, and Paul never forgot it. Timothy would, would pass it over, or rather, Barnabas passed it over, as you know the story. But it's hard to just keep rowing. He said, you know, there's persecution here. Paul was stoned in Lystra. Maybe Timothy saw, saw what was coming. He said, I'm out of here. It's hard to go against the current. It's easier to go with the current. I was thinking of Pastor Crichton. Uh, I talked to Pastor Townsley the other day, and yesterday, as a matter of fact, and um, Brother Crichton came up in the creation, Tom Crichton, but Bob Crichton, well, you all know Bob, Brother Bob. He's been a dear friend of mine and uh, was my pastor for a time, of course. We have a mutual friend. Once served God. In fact, once upon a time preached from this pulpit. Well, not this pulpit, but the old pulpit back in the old church. He's not even in the house of God any longer. He's still alive. He wants nothing to do with the things of God. He was a pastor. It was a certain church. If I named it, you'd all know the church. Every one of you would know it. He doesn't even go to church any longer. 
what happened. He chose intentionally for one reason or another. He said, I can't do this any longer. Too much pressure. It's too hard to go against the current. And so there's the reality of drifting. Secondly, and I just have four points. And I'm trying to hurry along here tonight. Look at verse number three. Notice the reasons for drifting. There's the reality of drifting. Verse number two. There is, there is sin to be avoided. There is, we need to stay steadfast because there's transgressions out there and disobediences that will destroy us if we're not careful. But verse number three says again, how shall we escape if we neglect? Neglect. You see, Christians, we don't, we don't reject so great salvation. We neglect so great salvation. We're born again. We're saved. We don't reject it, but sometimes we neglect it. And it's a dangerous thing when we neglect our salvation. All across America, and I've said this many times, listen, you're to be commanded. I'm not, I have to be so careful when I phrase this properly. I don't want to insert or pretend that you're not a good Christian if you don't come to Sunday night services. I know a lot of people can't come. I get it. It's hard to come. You know, pardon me, I look at Bob and Kim. They come 40 minutes away. I understand uh, Janet comes 45 minutes away. It's dark outside, if you noticed. It's cold out there. There could be ice on the road. Janet's over 39 years old now. I don't blame people for not coming, but you know what? We say, well, I don't need to come Sunday night. I don't need to come Wednesday night. That's, I had a hard night at work, and I understand. And by the way, I totally get it. The older I get, the more I get this, by the way. We get tired. And I, but I, I'm, I used to, I, I try to give you passes, but you know, before you know it, Sunday night, and Sunday night's so nonchalant that it's like, you know what, why bother? In fact, thousands of churches in America are closing their doors on Sunday night. Wednesday night, why Wednesday night? Why, why, why have another hour of class before church, have a teaching time? Notice I didn't say that word, that dirty five-letter word or six-letter word. <laughs> I'm having too much fun tonight, I'm sorry. But we don't, the reason for drifting is not, not that we reject our salvation, but we neglect it. The Bible says in Philippians 2.12 that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We don't work to be saved, but we work because we are saved. Uh, the older I get, the more I realize I have to work. Work for the night is coming when no man can work. What are some ways that we neglect our salvation? Let me just give you a couple bullet points here real quickly here. Failure to read God's word. One week without God's word makes one week, W-E-A-K. And you forget a week, and you know, some of you are on a, uh, thank God for the number of people last week that stood up and read their Bible through in 2018. Do it again this year. If you, you know, read, and some of you are on, on the course, you know, they say you keep, we keep our, 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 our New Year's resolutions till what they say, the first 11 days of the new year, and then we, most of them go by the wayside. We'll read. Read the word of God, pray, have a devotional time, make it part of your life. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against uh, thee. Failure to hear God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to have good preaching. We need to have, go and hear the preaching of the word of God and the teaching of God's word. And then something else that we neglect, we, we neglect is our theme verse. In fact, we're in Hebrews 2. Turn to chapter 10. I want you to see it again. Come on, turn there. Come on, turn there. You can do it. Hebrews 10, 25. 
We don't come to church not for, I got to memorize, I can say to my sleep, it's a preacher verse. Not for singing the assembly of ourselves together as a matter of some is. But exhorting ourselves and so much more as you see the day approaching. But verse number 24, and let us provoke one another to, or let us consider one another to, I can't, I don't have this verse memorized, do I? Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We don't come to church, we got a me, myself, and I, what's in it for me, Christianity today? We don't come to church first and foremost for ourselves, we come in first and foremost for others. I got a text, I don't want to be, I gotta be careful here, I don't lift up one, some of our members or former members more than others, but just got a text, this happens regularly, just moments ago, which is about an hour ago now, from Tim Butler, pastor praying for you. Somehow he found out I'm going to Ohio tonight, and, and uh, Tim and Linda, or, uh, Tim, uh, he says, Linda and I love you, of course, and we're praying for you, and, and, uh, and Tim wouldn't mind me using Linda. Linda, we all miss Linda. You know, Linda was an encourager. Linda didn't come to church for herself. Well, she did come for herself, but not first. She came for others. Pardon me, I could say that about several of you folks as well, a number of you folks. You don't come for yourself, you come for others. Provoke one another to love and to good works. We neglect our, the way we neglect our salvation. We, 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 don't, we, we let a little Bible reading slip, a little bit of hearing the word of God slip, a little bit of faithfulness in the house of God slip. Secondly, not only do we, or what are some ways that that we neglect our salvation, but secondly, your question, next, next, next question is, sometimes people want the thrill of the current. There's something in the, you know, five times we did five whitewater rafting trips, us guys. I enjoyed that. Who was on those whitewater rafting? Tim, who else? Are you? Bob. Anybody else? Ken. Oh, yeah, Paul, that's right. Hey, we got some stories to tell you. I mean, we did the Penobscot, the mighty Penobscot. We got some real stories. And I loved it. The first year, I mean, I get, I get to spend the rest of the time telling my, my whitewater rafting stories. But the last time we went, which was about six or seven years ago, I was, what, 45, 44, something like that. I loved that. But this time we got in, and it had been raining. We always go in August. And I'm going to tell you, the, the four and five rapids were like five and six rapids. I mean, they were, they were monsters. And I got dumped over in the washing machine, as we called it. And I got to tell you, my fun that I used to have left me that trip. And I said, what am I doing? I actually paid to be tortured. I almost, my life was flashing in front of me. It's like, I, said, I got out of there, I said, last time. I'm done with this. Now, you young people, you can't, you can't figure this out here, but now nah, I probably would do a roller coaster again. But you know what? You get to a point where, after a while, you don't do the world of true world, whatever they call that thing that goes, thing that goes around. I quit those like 30 years ago. You know what I'm talking about? Those, what do you call those? Tilter worlds or whatever they are? Forget about it. I don't need that thrill. But sometimes we let things slip. We just want a little taste of the good life. This is real. Can I get a little blunt? Many Christians say, I just want to walk a little bit on the wild side. Yeah. Plenty of illustrations in the Bible. David and Bathsheba, the first glance was accidental. The second glance was on purpose. 
We know the rest of the story. I was thinking this afternoon, after I had my Baptist nap, uh, I was getting ready to come to church about 3.30, whatever it was, and I was thinking this afternoon about one of our missionaries. Very sad, and uh, to be elusive, Paul, uh, rather, uh, uh, Ray is working on a missionary board and working on our missionary list and so forth, and one of our good and one of our best missionaries. I'll be elusive, I thought of him this afternoon. And he started dabbling in a little bit of sin. Great ministry, great family. And like the booze of Proverbs 24, at the last it biteth like a serpent, stingeth like an adder. It bit him and it bit him real bad. Bit him for the rest of his life. He's off the field. I think he'd still be used of God in a great way, maybe in a, in a different way, but in a greater way than he was even used before, but that's another day, another time, another story. A little bit of thrill. You dabble a little bit of sin, you don't know the inestimable, inestimable uh, amount of loss that happens because you choose just a little bit of fun, a little bit of sin. Enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. We have the story of David and Bathsheba, but we don't have the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife, the bad story. What would what have happened? Only the Lord knows. I dare say, and of course I know we're talking about the sovereignty of God and so forth, I understand that, but the last 10 chapters of Genesis would be a whole lot different than they'd be. Only the Lord knows. The third, thirdly, point number three, I gave you point one was the... the, the since I put on my glasses, I'll tell you what point one was. The reality of drifting, the reasons for drifting, verse three, the results of drifting, back to Hebrews chapter two. It says, how shall we neglect, or how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which was at first spoken to us by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, it's a great salvation, but the results of drifting, it can start off seemingly innocent, but in the end, it brings disaster. The last, uh, we were home, you know, we took uh, two weeks ago, we went to, back to Ohio, and I had Jonathan and Laura and their seven, my grandkids with us, and so we had just a little bit of time, a couple hours to goof around and show them, John, Jonathan's never seen my, where I grew up at. And I grew up in Rock Creek, Ohio, don't forget that, Ron Royer just bought a uh, he, I was supposed to look up somebody, Ron Rubb just bought a tank of some sorts for his company from a guy in Rock Creek, Ohio, population 484. He wants me to look him up. He's a Christian. Uh, lives about a mile from my parents' house. I never met the guy. But anyhow, so I was telling, showing Jonathan and Laura around Rock Creek. Now, Rock Creek, this Rock Creek, Ohio, and then there's the famous metropolis of Rome, Ohio. Now, between Rock Creek and Rome, when I was a boy, they built a big lake, huge lake, kind of like Highland Lake. They called it Roaming Rock Shores. Now, Roaming Rock Shores, they took a little rock creek, about the width of normally about this center pew aisle, you know, just a babbling brook. They dammed it up, and they made this huge, humongous lake, and then there's a dam at the end of this lake. Did I tell you this? How many remember this story? You know where I'm going with this? Okay, Tim, the veteran, okay. Well, so I'm home from Bible college. We're 19. I stayed out of, I, I crammed five years of college into four and uh, my freshman year, after my freshman year, I stayed out of college. And Donnie Adams, who's a pastor in Broadhead, Wisconsin, we had a homemade craft uh, his dad built. 
two fiberglass tubes, and we made a, we made a four-man boat out of it. And we started at the beginning of Roaming Rock Shores several miles. And it was in springtime. It was like Easter time, cold. We were in, we were in full rain gear, full uh, 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 coat, jacket, boots. We were fishing. And we were floating down Roman Rock Shores. And we got to the dam. There's this massive dam at the end. And it's about, uh, I showed Jonathan Laura. I said, you didn't, Dad. I said, right, we did. It was about uh, maybe double the width of this room. And it was, uh, there's only about three or four inches of water. It looked like going over this dam. But of course, we were looking at the horizon. And, and I says, and I knew the dam was on an, on an angle about like this. I says, I remember saying, we're 19-year-old kids. Let's go over the dam in the boat. And so we, and there were fishermen out on the shore. They were fishing and so forth. And here's these two 19, 20-year-old kids. We're in this hovercraft, this craft, and we're heading right for the center of the dam. And they, and they got the buoys, you know, stay away. It's like, we can do this. <laughs> and we, we, we hit that dam. And I mean, I let out a scream better than the, the fanatical screams that we heard at NFL football games last night and today. I was, ah! <laughs> we, we come down this, and it was, ah! There's this wall of whitewater at the bottom of this dam curdling up. And we hit that wall of whitewater. We went to the back of the boat. The boat started turning on us. And then we hit that whitewater about, oh, I don't know, 100 feet or so, a slide in this dam. And boom, this water comes in, almost sinks the boat. Guys are split to gut. They're laughing so hard at this shore. We're laughing. We're soaked wet. We survived. No joke. Three or four days later, it had been raining for three or four straight days. Donnie and I decided to go fishing again. We got in the boat, started in the same place several miles upriver in the beginning of Roman Rock Shores, got in our craft, in a big lake. You know, some places almost uh, not a mile wide, but at least a half mile wide. It's a big, good-sized lake. We're, it had been raining for three straight days. And we got there, and we were joking around. and said, should we go over the dam again? It's, nah, we're not, we won't be stupid again. We got wet last time. And, uh, but it was fun. And uh, so we got to the dam. We got about... Oh, maybe 100 yards away. No embellishment on this story. And it said, we've got to make a decision. Either we've got to go to shore and, uh, now, or we're going to go over the dam and get wet again. Well, we know we can go over the dam. And uh, so we're paddling the shore, we're paddling towards the dam, and it's like we're like 100 yards off, 150 yards off, and we've got time to divert, we think. And sure enough, I remember taking one paddle back. and says, Don, you know what? It seemed like there was a pool that we didn't feel the first time. And uh, I remember I did one pull, one backstroke. Don did a backstroke, and it's like, oh, man, we're going towards this dam fast. Now, the first time, we, we never did it before, and we went over the dam. We're splitting the gut. We're laughing so hard. Had a ball of a time as kids. This time, the, this water is rushing us. We did not notice, but over the course of three days, the whole river had gone up about three or four or five or six or seven inches. And all of a sudden, there were no fishermen out. It was a nasty day. And all of a sudden, we started going. We heard an unusual sound that we didn't hear the first time. And we got over, and, and before we were into the precipice, it was like, if we could turn back, we'd try and turn back. We were from here to maybe the, the wall, the back of the auditorium. It was like, this is not good. And we heard this roar sound. And we got to the side over the dam. First time, we laughed like you couldn't believe it. Second time, we were, <gasps> we were, we were dead. There was, I kid you not, there was just a, 10 yards of white water just, just boiling up, just, just, I can't even tell you, it was, there was no laugh whatsoever, it was like, 
We went down that slide as fast as, oh no. We hit that water and, I mean, we sunk so fast it wasn't even funny. Now, as it turned out, there was like, it was a hydraulic system. And, and uh, we, uh, how, how many remember the story now that I'm telling it? Diane and Walt, you don't remember the story? I didn't tell it enough. Okay, all right, here goes. So Donnie informs me, Donnie Adams informs me, a Baptist preacher in Broadhead, Wisconsin, he's preaching tonight, I'm sure. He informs me as the water sets, the boat sets on about seven, seven foot of water, and we're, the boat was about yay high, and we're on top of the boat, and the, and, and the way there was centrifugal force, the best way I can explain it, we weren't being pushed out toward, towards the rapids or the, the river, and we weren't being pushed into, the, we were in a kind of a, a holding pattern. There was water bottling up, and we were right to our necks, and we're holding each other full dress, lost our fishing gear and all this. Donnie informs me as we're in this water, ice cold water, it's March. He informs me, Marty, I can't swim. I never knew that about Donnie. <laughs> now I could swim. And we uh, make a long story short, well, guess what? You're going to swim now. We have no choice. And, and we got off, and I, I, this story goes on for about 10 more minutes, but I'll just, I'm going to take the, the B route here and this, end this story. But we, we, we started to swim. Don, Donnie's dog paddle, and that's curtain just, just, we just took us down once we got out of that centrifugal force, and we got washed down the river about 200 yards and got out, and, and uh, then the, big, the, big, the biggest part of the whole story was Donnie's dad was about six foot three, no joke. He was a mean guy, and he drank with my father in the bars, and uh, it's like it was his boat that we, we just sunk, and it's like, what are we going to do? And I was soaking wet. We had our, our car right there, and we says, you know, I says, and the brave 19-year-old kid that I was, the stupid idiot that I really was, I says, we just so happened to have a 100-foot rope in the, the trunk of the car. Why would we have a 100-foot rope? I don't know why we had one. Uh, so I tied it in my waist. I says, we'll go in, and we'll, well, I'll dive down. I know I can survive this water. I'll dive down and tie the boat on. I, I all, that's when I almost drowned, just for the record. And uh, about two weeks later, we went back, and that water was, in, it was down about this high, and you could see from the top of the dam, you could look down and see that boat. It was right in, the, right in that water, and I jumped in there in that ice-cold water, and we dragged that boat out, and we saved the boat, but and that, and that's, that's the rest of the story. But anyhow, I found out that that disaster, and we, we could have, uh, you know, Donnie survived that, but in all seriousness, he could have drowned. But God was gracious to us. You know, you never know, just a little bit of sin. Sometimes, I think of the funeral, some funerals that I did, I'll do this real fast, but uh, I know that I had a funeral because of, and I have to be elusive after all these many years. I had a funeral for one of our church attenders because they were messing around. Actually, actually two have come to my mind. If they hadn't been messing around with sin, they'd be alive today. Both very, very young they died because of their sin. They died because of a little bit of drifting is what they did, just a little bit of neglecting. That's why they died. I'm sure that story can be told more than times than the two incidences that I'm thinking. Often the danger of destruction is finally apparent, apparently imminent when it's too late. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I fear lest by any means that I should become a castaway. Esau just read in Genesis, of course, Esau selling, selling his birthright. He sacrificed the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Hebrews 12, 17 talks about that. He sought for it. He was rejected for it. He found no place of repentance, so he sought it carefully with tears. He wanted that blessing. He cried to his daddy, Daddy, please. Too late. 
Sometimes you cross over God's deadlines. Let me just give you six statements here, and I'm trying to hurry now. Signs of warning markers indicating that you might be drifting. Number one, you may be drifting if you have a critical spirit about the work of God, the church of God, the house of God. Or in other words, you know, we, ask, we, we know this to be true, but sometimes we don't apply it. What person is perfect? What church is perfect? Harvest Baptist Church has always had a lot of problems. We always will have a lot of problems if we're going to be a ministry church. We try to, I was joking around with Brother Dale and Brother uh, Paul this morning right before we came out to our auditorium for just a minute here. Ask how our science school classes are going. Oh, I just said the word. I'm sorry. As our science school classes are going with our split session. And, uh, you know, they may be going good. They may not be going good, but they're going could we have done it better, a different way better? I'm sure there's probably a better program than we could, what we're doing. I'm sure. You can always do something better. Uh, the pastor can always preach better. The pastor can always be a better pastor. The Sunday school teacher, the workers can always do better. But a critical spirit. Number two, when you, find, when you gossip and find fault and attempt to divide, Proverbs 6, 17 and 16 and 17, of course. Six things says, Lord, hey, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. He just saw us discord among the brethren. Hey, we've been very free of this for many years, it seems like. Oh, we have little croppings up. It happens from time to time. But, but let's not divide. Let's not destroy the brethren. One sinner destroys much good. We can be careful how we speak. It's a sign of maybe you're drifting. Guard your tongue. For out of it are the issues of life. Number three, where we could be drifting is a warning indicator that you're drifting. You may not even realize it, but if you look at this, when you have a lack of spiritual appetite... You don't feel like, I don't know why. Have you noticed that I don't like to exercise? Have you figured that out? I don't like to exercise. It takes work. I'm talking about physical exercise. Pastor Parmar, you know, he's told me, Brother Marty, <laughs> you need to join the gym with me. I don't have time for the gym. In fact, I don't like the gym. I don't want to do, I don't want to be on a treadmill. I don't want to work. It's hard work. First Timothy, spiritual exercise is hard work too. It takes work, doesn't it? It really does. If I could try to get serious for five seconds at least, it wouldn't hurt if we stayed physically the best we can be so we can do our spiritual work too. That's true. But... Uh, Lack of spiritual appetite. I, I don't, care to, don't care to read my Bible, so I won't read my Bible. I, I, I don't care to come to church, so I won't come to church. Some people are not here tonight because they, they made a decision in their mind, well, maybe I'll come, maybe I won't come. They decided not to come. It's just easier. It's, it's harder to come. Uh, you might be spiritually drifting when you, you find yourself tearing down rather than building up. I've given this story many times, but I... My dad was a carpenter all his life, and when we went on jobs with him as boys, we got to clean up and tear down type of jobs. I found it's always easier to demolish than it is to construct. It takes a lot of effort and thinking and planning and expertise and, and uh, work to construct nicely. And we're in the construction business more than the destruction business. Oftentimes, we don't drift alone. We uh, it was an indicator that we're drifting. Oftentimes we don't drift alone, but with others. Amnon, remember, had a friend. Peter said, I go fishing. 
It's easier when you have other people to go with you. And sometimes we, when we go down, we take other people down with us. Number six, if we find godly people rubbing us the wrong way, quote-unquote rubbing us the wrong way, it may be that we have a problem. I think there's some people that are more godly, more on fire than I am. And uh, if we're not careful, we can look at them and we'd say, well, they're just doing that for show. Wrong attitude. Maybe they are doing it for show, by the way. Could be, but I always look at somebody that's doing better than I'm doing or trying harder than I'm trying and say, boy." Good for you, maybe I need to learn something. Number four, finally here, and I'm 6.0704 here. I'm supposed to be done four minutes ago. The remedy of drifting, let me give you three R's. Remember, Revelation 2, 4, and 5. Nevertheless, Jesus said, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Remember, when you used to be on fire for the Lord, remember when you had a hard heart for God. The remedy for drifting. Remember those days when you, were, you couldn't wait to get to church, when you couldn't wait to serve God, when you couldn't wait to read your Bible. Then not only remember, but secondly, realize we are in a battle. We're in a fight. Fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6.12. We're in a battle. Then, then thirdly, third R is re-sign or re-up as they call it in the military. Recognize the cause. I think of the story of, and I think of Ray all of a sudden because I know Ray's a big Civil War buff and Joshua Chamberlain, and most of you have been to Little Round Top and you've been to, been to uh, the backside of Little Round Top and some of you, we did the tour and we did where Joshua Chamberlain in the 20th Maine with 180 men, now down, down to about 90 or so, held off the Alabama to a charge of thousands of guys and they said fix bayonets and they charged and as they say, the rest is history. Only the Lord knows. I don't think the war would have been lost by the North necessarily, but only the Lord knows how many more thousands of lives probably would have had to die had the South won that battle, that battle of Gettysburg. The little round top was the pivotal point. But David said when he went down to the valley, is there not a cause? Folks, is there not a cause in what we're doing? Does it matter? Does it depend on what you do for the Lord? I, pardon me if I've overused my dad 48 times during the last 12 services, it seems like. But my mother, boy, I've been so faithful all these many years. All these many years. And I don't take any credit at all. It's all to God be the glory. But she was faithful. She kept on re-upping, kept on re-signing, not resigning, but re-signing. Keep on realizing she was in a battle, but she... She remembered in her first love, and she just wore my dad down. <laughs> and finally, he just threw up his white flag and hands said, I might, I might as well get saved. Been living with this crazy woman for 60 years now, and time to get saved. And a lot of things went into that. But you keep on keeping on. For, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to those things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. God, help us to watch. Help us to stay anchored to the, the, to the captain of our salvation. We have an anchor that's safe and sure, steadfast and sure while the billows roll, anchored to the rock that cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Lord, help us to stay tethered to the anchor, we pray. 
we'll thank you for it. Lord, help us, Lord, and may we hear those words one day. Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because we were steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Blessed and pray and it's just moments of meditation and invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One verse of 461 it is. 461, I'm throwing to Caleb a curveball. I don't know if you know this.